He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, you can rely on Senate Republicans and Senate Republican leadership to take an issue where they're actually winning, to take an issue that they're on the correct side of, that can actually help save our finances in this country. And start to address inflation that's about to really whip our tuckuses here. And to, uh, and to throw in the towel. In the name of bipartisanship. Do the Democrats act like they're for bipartisanship? The language they use, the people they target. No, they're trying to crush the Republican Party so there's no opposition. And then there's this piece I'm reading. From uh, Susan Ferriccio in the Washington Examiner, a group of Senate negotiators said they had reached a final deal on $1.2 trillion infrastructure package. Now, just think about this. Is the time now for another $1.2 trillion when you know the Democrats want to spend $3.5 trillion on human infrastructure? And on top of that, they have an explosive $6 trillion budget behind that. Is this the time to pretend none of the rest of this is going on? We now have an agreement on the major issues, says Rob Portman, an Ohio Republican. We're prepared to move forward. Now, this guy isn't running for re-election. No, he was the head of OMB under George W. Bush. You'd think he'd know a little something about this, but he's ready. He's ready to leave. He wants to name some bridges after himself, I guess. I don't know. But we, you the American people, you are going to suffer from this bipartisanship. They're going to throw another $1.2 trillion on the bonfire? And then the Democrats win another $9.5 trillion? On top of the $2 trillion they already spent six months ago? Which was on top of the one point whatever trillion that the Republicans spent?
Lawmakers have been hammering out differences in an effort to reach a bipartisan accord for several weeks. Republicans blocked the debate on a framework measure last week, demanding more details and changes to the bill. Republicans said they were able to come to an agreement after working out their differences on broadband and water infrastructure. See, everybody's got their hand into this. Everybody, I need this, I need this. We're all back to that now. Doesn't matter. Trillions, trillions. The American Marxists are on the move. They want to destroy our constitutional system. These Republicans, they they just keep marching along like a bunch of buffoons. But at least they'll have new bridges and tunnels. And then we'll have human infrastructure. That'll be great. A.K.A. Marxism. We're still finalizing the details, but we have reached agreement on the major issues, said Susan Collins of Maine. Whoa, I'm glad she's leading the charge. Democrats have not signaled their support for the deal yet, but Schumer has indicated he wants a bipartisan measure to advance and won't adjourn the Senate for the summer recess until lawmakers can pass it. And by the way, the Republicans are out there saying, it pays for itself, it pays for itself. Nothing pays for itself, you idiots. As usual, they're double-counting another Ponzi scheme. Democrats are planning to unilaterally consider a $3.5 trillion human infrastructure package later in the year. You notice how we regurgitate whatever words and narratives they create? We call it human infrastructure because they call it human infrastructure. Nobody uses phrases like human infrastructure or we're taxing you for investments. We're investing. Remember that under Clinton? Or we're reimagining the police. What do you mean reimagine? Oh, we're reimagining. Human infrastructure. They steal the language and the press regurgitates it. They're planning to unilaterally consider a $3.5 trillion human infrastructure, quote-unquote, package later in the year that would pay for free child care, free community college, expanded health care subsidies and other programs. Yeah, and pay off debt. Oh, yeah, we got to take care of the colleges and universities. The breeding ground for Marxism. We got to do that, sure. And the teachers' unions, yeah. They stand by us. They push their agenda whether parents and kids like it or not. Now, we're going to watch carefully which Republics vote for this. There's going to be a hell of a lot of them. They don't care about the debt. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about your grandkids. But don't worry. You won't be able to afford fish sticks, but you'll have a brand new bridge followed by human infrastructure. What would we do without all this spending? How would we survive? How did we survive before? Meanwhile, they want to kill the economy a second time, two years running, put people out of business, subsidize people not to work. We're doing exactly the wrong thing in every respect. Exactly the wrong thing in every respect. But don't worry, we're going to have a bipartisan infrastructure bill. And the Republicans go home and say, I voted for infrastructure. Ah, shut the hell up. You know the individual I blame for this most of all? Mitch McConnell. He could put an end to this right now. Yeah, he could put an end to this right now. But he supports it. We got bipartisan infrastructure. Bipartisan. 
We We are bankrupting your children and your grandchildren. We are brainwashing them with critical race theory. We're overwhelming our our infrastructure systems, healthcare and so forth, with illegal aliens. The constitutional construct is crumbling. But don't worry, we're going to have some running pads. Oh, yeah, you're going to be able to run, run, run all you want to run. And so Washington is excited. The media, Washington-based media, very excited. We may have a bipartisan bill. Yay! Finally, they put aside their differences. Yeah, because the Republics are at it again. What do they stand for? It's not good enough not to be them. You've got to have an agenda. You've got to try and advance it. You've got to explain to the American people where you would take this country. The Democrat Party is the mouthpiece for these American Marxist movements. They are radicalized. They're playing for keeps, whether it's the courts or the Senate, whether it's demography and uh, dem- demography and the and the uh, border, I'm trying to say. My mouth broke when I do McConnell. You get the point? And these guys want to spend money. Sure. Now they know coming right behind this is the human infrastructure bill. $3.5 trillion. It should be called the human destruction bill, not the human infrastructure bill. Hello, hello. Communication director at the RNC, do they even have one? Yeah, they're probably at a uh, cafe right now. Uh, busy. Work, work was hard today. It's hard to capitulate. We should be able to destroy these Democrats in the next cycle. If we don't, it's going to be because of the Republican Party. If we don't, it's going to be because of the Republican Party. They're just so foolish. They should draw the line in the sand. They should be speaking to the American people. They should have their message, America. The Democrats are bankrupting us. That means your children and grandchildren cannot possibly succeed. Interest on the debt will be so massive it'll gobble up about 40% of the budget in and of itself. Our entitlements are completely out of control, and they want to create 27 new entitlements. So in addition to destroying our public schools, in addition to destroying our immigration system, in addition to attacking our constitutional system and the courts and trying to pack the Senate and all the rest, they're destroying the nation economically. Instead, it's, hey, peace in our time. I'm waving around. We got bipartisan. We got bipartisan bill here, right, right here. Bipartisan. Well, count me out. I'll be right back. Mud Lovin. Well, we just learned, and I want you to be the first to know, because you who've done this, that American Marxism is number one on the New York Times hardcover bestseller nonfiction list for a second week in a row. Now, the irony of that is not lost on you, which is why we love doing this. So two weeks in a row, American Marxism is number one on the New York Times bestseller hardcover nonfiction book list. We don't have the 
official numbers. Uh, they don't put them out. Another company does, and we'll have those tomorrow. But the unofficial numbers for my publisher is that all formats in two weeks' time, um, you've purchased 565,000 copies of this book, which is truly astonishing. We want to keep the pressure on. You notice how the media ignore this and pretend this hasn't happened. Uh, some conservative media have picked up on it, of course. Uh, we have some good friends out there. And I will be also mentioning, maybe tomorrow, who knows, uh, and thanking by name all the individuals on Fox who've, uh, who've had me on their programs. And uh, I can't name all the radio stations because there have been scores of them. But I want to thank all the hosts, all the radio broadcasting companies, all the management and so forth. You've been absolutely terrific. We're going to get the word out. I'm still working on this 20 hours a day, folks. And that's the goal here. Statement by Donald J. Trump. Hard to believe our Senate Republicans are dealing with the radical left Democrats and making a so-called bipartisan bill on infrastructure with our negotiators headed up by super rhino Matt, uh, Mitt Romney. I mean, he's right on, right on. This will be a victory for the Biden administration and Democrats and will be heavily used in the 2022 election. It is a loser for America, a terrible deal. It makes the Republicans look weak, foolish, and dumb. It shouldn't be done. It sets an easy glide path for Democrats to get beyond what anyone thought was possible in future legislation. It will be a continued destruction of our country. Our borders are horrible. Crime is at an all-time high. Taxes and inflation are going way up, and the economy is going way down. And now this. Don't do it, Republicans. Patriots will never forget. If this deal happens, lots of primaries will be coming your way. Now, I just saw this. Mr. Producer sent this to me after I gave my comments. Donald Trump is more conservative and more right on than 99% of the Republicans on Capitol Hill. And 99% of those who write a National Review. He really embraces this. And he's 100% right. 100% right. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. And we know what's coming behind this. We know what they're trying to do. And now Biden's being pressured, and he'll give in if he can, to unilaterally wipe out an enormous amount of money in college student debt. It's not student debt. It's college student debt. About 34% of people in this country graduate from college. That means two-thirds do not. Now, those 34% earn more money than those who did not go to college. These are the statistics. And so those who didn't go to college, who earn less, are now to subsidize those who went to college but didn't pay their way. Moreover, you have people who went to college who did pay their way and paid off their debt. They're so busy throwing your money around and throwing the money yet earned of your children and grandchildren around. All these anomalies, these injustices occur. It's unbelievable. Nobody looks at the universities and colleges, why their tuition is so high, why their expenses are so high. Nobody looks at them because why? They're propaganda mills for the Democrat Party and the American Marxists. That's why. No other entity gets away with this. None. Now, you and I are going to be subsidizing student loans, college student loans. I don't know. Did they ask us when they took them out? 
How about mortgages? Shouldn't we subsidize those? Interest on your mortgage. I mean, what is this? It's unbelievable, really. How about people who need trucks to work? Should we, should we take those loans over? Which loans are in and which loans are out? Just incredible. At the same time, they're killing the golden goose that lays the golden eggs by smothering the goose with a mask. The idiocy that's going on here is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, I will say this. They hope to have it out of whatever committee or whatever they're doing by tonight, if not tomorrow. Which means you and I will never have an opportunity to read this. It's going to be some massive omnibus bill. And you better believe all kinds of pork is stuck in this bill. With repubics. Their hands in the, uh, in the cookie jar. Well, I, I have to represent my people too. No, you need to represent your people by voting against all this stuff. You can't trust these people. They've already told you they're going to spend another $9.5 trillion on top of this. You already see inflation going through the roof. Let me just say this. Whoever votes for this, they too, like Biden and these various Marxists, they too are going to be responsible for inflation. They don't get to make these votes and then whine about spending. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. I know you don't listen to this show to hear me regurgitate everything that's been said earlier in the day. I don't even know what's been said earlier in the day, but you get my point. I just do things a little differently. We've had a number of magnificent reviews. I want to thank everybody who's written, taken the time out of their life to write a review for this book or a comment on, America, on uh, Amazon.com. Professor... Paul Kengor is an expert on communism. He's an expert on the Cold War. He spent a lifetime studying this. He's from Grove City. And not at my request. He wrote a review that appeared today in the American Spectator. The American Spectator is an iconic publication and now website by one of the great conservatives, really, in modern times, Bob Tyrrell. And... Uh, who has been uh, so important in so many ways to so many people. But I want to give you a taste of what uh, Professor Kengor said, given his unique position. And and some of you will believe me and some of you won't. But I'm not reading this for the praise. I'm reading it for the analysis, okay? Go to Amazon and type in Mark Levin, American Marxism, and you'll find the number one best-selling book in the country with hundreds of reviews in mere weeks. Even more impressive, it's rated 4.9 out of 5 stars. Clearly something is up. It's not just Levin's name, his platform, his his huge radio show, his Life, Liberty, and Levin show on the Fox News channel, or his previous bestsellers. What's up is what Levin has tapped into with this, this particular book, American Marxism. What's up is, unfortunately, American Marxism. This is not American Marxism in the form that this nation long ago dealt with. This is not the American Marxism of the past century in the style and the standard uh, of the former standard bearers, Gus Hall, Alger Hiss, the Rosenbergs, the Hollywood Ten, and so forth. 
No, that was really Soviet Marxism. Those guys and gals of Communist Party USA swore a literal loyalty oath to Stalin's Soviet Union. What Mark Levin exposes in his book is truly American Marxism. That is, Marxism in this nation today. This is a type of Marxism that heretofore has not existed elsewhere. The perversity we are witnessing is a distinctly American brand of Marxist thought. There genuinely is nothing like it anywhere in the world. It's a uniquely American-born and fashion strain or strains of Marxism, which is what I've been trying to explain. A bizarre adaption applied particularly to race and gender. There has been an Americanized adaption of Marxism, writes Levin, which uses Marx's core precepts and contextualizes them to the American system in order to effectively overthrow the system. Levin's great contribution is showing how, when, where, and why. This certainly is not to suggest that he glides by the 20th or 19th centuries, not at all. He takes the reader through Marx and Engels and Lenin and more. He brings in the likes of John Dewey and Herbert Marcuse, or in the positive, Eric Hoffer and Richard Weaver. Levin's command of these figures and their ideas is what makes him so unique as an author and talk show host. Again, you can ignore this part. He's a scholar. He's very well read. That reality is on display in all of his books, especially this one. Among those names, particularly impressive is how Levin starts with Eric Hoffer, a brilliant thinker all too often forgotten, including among conservatives. Hoffer, seven decades ago, wrote a seminal book called The True Believer, which we've discussed here, on the nature of mass movements, which, as Levin notes, were movements of deeply flawed individuals with deeply flawed ideas. As Hoffer put it, not only does a mass movement depict the present as mean and miserable, it deliberately makes it so. And these movements breed contempt for the present. That is and always has been Marxism, including for the present, where its new American apostles breed contempt. They also attract the true believer, the fanatic who cannot be weaned away from his cause by an appeal to his reason and moral sense. That is wholly true. Marxism has no appeal to reason and moral sense. It's pure sophistry. Only through brainwashing and indoctrination does this ridiculous ideology bilge gain any attraction among the easily duped, dull-witted, and plainly stupid. As for, the re- as for the person of Karl Marx, Levin doesn't simply rehash what we tend to focus on. Among the most important aspects of his treatment is to inform readers that Marx, first and foremost, was a journalist. He sure as heck wasn't an economist. One might also call him a philosopher, of which he was even worse than an economist. Really, it didn't matter much. What's best to know about Marx, as Levin notes, is that he was wrong about almost everything. And yet Marx's basic conceptual framework has been seized with reckless abandon by his destructive minions in America today, namely, his pitting of individuals into opposing groups, that is, antagonistic groups drawing swords against one another and driven by hate. Levin writes, Marxism stresses classism over individualism. The individual is dehumanized and is nothing less, and is nothing unless he identifies with a group as the oppressed and victimized group. The individual is not an individual, made into an imagine, the imagine of God. Rather, the individual is a strictly material entity who belongs to a group. In Marx's day, the group was defined according to class or economics. In today's America, that is American Marxism, the group is defined according to race, gender, sexual orientation, or some other dehumanizing and de-individualized 
cultural category. Notes Levin, quote, The individuals who make up opposing or non-conforming groups are collectively dehumanized, condemned, and loathed as the enemy. This, notes Levin, is the trait of modern American Marxism. Worse, he says, it's especially seductive to the malcontented, disenchanted, disaffected, and dissatisfied. These people find themselves pitted into categories of oppressed versus oppressor by demagogues and propagandists and ideological hacks and breeding mobs that seek to make revolution and change America as it was envisioned. And Levin captured this most succinctly in his third chapter, Hate America, Inc., It's difficult to try to adequately review a book like this in a couple thousand words, but if I had to focus on one aspect in particular that's a must-read, I would call to readers' attention Chapter 4, Racism, Genderism, and Marxism. For this is most holy and destructively where American Marxism manifests and rages today. In that section, Levin marshals a number of sources, including Jonathan Butcher, Michael Gonzalez of Heritage, great guy, Thomas Saul, Steve Klinsky, Wyatt Walker, George R. Leneau, all of them especially insightful on the subject of critical care theory. Leneau, research professor of public policy and political science at the University of Maryland, describes CRT through two of its best-selling proponents, Robin DiAngelo and Ibrahim Kendi, who, as Levin has been noting at length on his radio show, are making a fortune writing and speaking on Marxist-based CRT. And as Leneau writes... CRT begins with the presumption that race is the primary way to identify and analyze people and consequently posits a racial hierarchy that supposedly exists with whites on top and blacks at the bottom. Individual behavior is insignificant because everyone in America functions within a society of systemic racism, structural racism, and institutional racism. And within this system, whites must admit their culpability by confessing the advantages that so-called white supremacy confers on them. Is this boring, Mr. Producer? If it was, you wouldn't tell me anyway, would you? Both the oppressors and oppressed must be made aware of their roles in this system. And to deny your role as oppressor, as a white person, it is to further your complicity in the oppression. Karl Marx and Marxism did the same based on class and economics with the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, with the working class versus the landowning and capitalist class, etc. The groups are set against one another. They're told that they are foes. And just like with classical Marxism, human nature and all of society are hammered into this new paradigm of human behavior. It's an entirely new worldview and a way of perceiving people. It is literally revolutionary. And like Marx, writes Levin, in one of the book's most trenchant paragraphs, The critical race theory proponents deal in group stereotypes and prejudices, whether talking about perpetrators or victims based on race, etc. Assumptions are made about individuals grounded on their physical, religious, ancestral, and other characteristics. But human beings are more than racial beings, just that they are more than economic beings. And the Marxist ideology preaches a monumental and deadly distortion of man's nature. Individuals are complex and complicated, unique and spiritual, They're influenced by innumerable events, circumstances, motivations, desires, interests, etc. Of course, adds Levin, this is not to say that individuals in the larger society are unaffected by racial and other such distinctions, but not to the exclusion of and not through the sole lens of a host of other human influences. 
Professor Kengor says, precisely, only a fool, a Marxist fool, would try to refashion the centerpiece of all man's humanity, the alpha and the omega around something like class for Karl Marx, a race for the modern CRT advocate. What could be more demeaning? What could be so contrary to Judeo-Christian values? But that's what Marxism does, from its classical form to its modern American forms. You're less children of God than products of class, race, and gender. Here Levin quotes the very worst of them, Richard Delgado, Jean Stefanczyk, and, D- and D'Angelo, for whom race is everywhere and everything, as is racism. As the antidote to this dehumanizing worldview, Levin quotes Dr. Wyatt T. Walker, who was very close to Representative, excuse me, to Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And in his essay in 2015, what he wrote was Steve Klinsky. Steve Klinsky. Walker stated, Today, too many remedies, such as critical race theory, the increasingly fashionable post-Marxist, post-modernist approach that analyzes society as institutional group power structures, rather than on spiritual or one-to-one human level, are taking us in the wrong direction, separating even school children into explicit racial groups and emphasizing differences instead of similarities. Unlike Dr. King's vision of judging people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin, Walker's views of civil rights were rightly based on religious values, humanism, not Marxism and critical race theory. The roots of critical race theory are planted in entirely different intellectual soil, Walker wrote. Begins with blocks, with each person assigned to an identity or economic block, as in Marxism. Yes, says Professor, as in Marxism, not as in Americanism. That's what Mark Levin understands so well, especially given previous works of his, such as Rediscovering Americanism. American Marxism is quintessentially un-American. The people in America professing this noxious junk may be Americans in terms of citizenship, with all the rights and liberties and protections afforded thereof. But they are not Americans in the way the founders of this country envisioned. America is less a place than an idea, said Ronald Reagan. It is indeed. The ideas of America as it was formed are the direct antithesis of the ideas of Karl Marx and his perverse heirs who today push their insidious new forms of American Marxism, especially at our awful universities. And what Mark Levin shows above all is how un-American American Marxism really is. And then he says, it is crucially important that the largest number of Americans read this book and learn about this pernicious threat facing them in their beloved country. Now, you'll say, some of you, this is self-serving. No, what I'm trying to do here is say, it's not just me when you read this book. Other reviewers and so forth and commenters on Amazon, they are embracing, they understand what's taking place now. And a light bulb had to go off on my head, which is why I called it American Marxism. It wasn't until three months before I had to turn the book in. And so, this is the first book that literally calls it what it is. This is the first book that goes chapter and verse and proves this is what it is. This is the first book that spends time not only on scholarship, but tries to rally the American people to their own defense. An entire section on strategies and tactics called We Choose Liberty. I said it's the most important book I've ever written. I know many of you are tired of hearing it, but I hope you read it. If you need to get it at a library or something like that, that is great. Those of you who can afford it, hand it to somebody who can't. 
we need to press this word. We need to make this as well known as Black Lives Matter and Antifa. The phrase American Marxism has a meaning. It's here. It's not going away. I'll be right back. Mark You know, it is fascinating that the attacks haven't begun, because they will begin, I predicted right now. But some of the questions that I've gotten from one press person, don't you think you're calling too many people Marxists? And you know what that told me? That he hadn't read the book. I don't go around calling people Marxists in the book. They go around calling themselves Marxists in the book. That's why I quote them. And have over 400 endnotes. I'm calling them what they say they are. I'm pointing out what they're doing, what they say they're doing. I point out what they say they're going to do. I point out how their iconic figures are. They're intellectuals and they're scholars on the activist side. I'm not going around calling people names in some kind of pejorative way. No. So I can tell immediately that the questioner hasn't read the book. But instead it's a knee-jerk response. Oh, Marxism. What are you blaming me for? That's who they are. And here's their problem. They think this is like a Joe McCarthy moment where I'd go around calling people. That's not what's happening here. This is a substantive review of what's taking place. I'm not a politician. I'm not on some committee. I'm not running for office. I'm not seeking advantage. And that's why for 16 months on the weekends, late at night, early in the morning, book after book after book, I labored over this. And the original name of the book was not American Marxism. It didn't have a name. I wanted to dig in and figure out what the hell's going on. Now some people say, well, I always knew it was Marxism. Uh, You may have thought it, but you couldn't prove it. And I think this is a seminal time. that we must push back or we're going to lose the country because we're losing it now. I also think... When I'm dead and gone, this will be considered the best book I ever wrote. Not because it's so brilliant or whatever. It was the book for the times. And I can also tell by those, even on quote-unquote our side, who are pretending it doesn't exist. I can also tell, based on that, that this has become a big deal. Chuck Todd, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, I have uh, spent a lot of time exposing the fraud and the fool. Well, he exposes himself very often. Oh, no, I don't mean like Jeffrey Tubin. I understand he wears his pants. No, 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 no. No, no, you'll see what I mean when you come back. I've got a pretty good audio for you. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. We'll be taking your calls a little later. 877-381-3811. Chuck Todd was on MSLSD yesterday, so nobody heard him. You know, this guy's no ratings. I think it was my buddy Jesse Waters who said he has 2 million viewers on Sunday. You're on a network Sunday show? You have 2 million viewers? That's nothing. That's nothing. Can you imagine? Give me that Sunday show, Mr. Producer. Of course they wouldn't, but give that to me. I'll have 20 million viewers. So just to show you how delusional, how narcissistic, and how detached Chuck Todd and his fellow Toddsters are, he's being interviewed by Vin Gupta. May I ask who the hell is Vin Gupta, Mr. Producer? Honestly, I don't know who Vin Gupta is. Is everybody named Gupta? Oh, Vin Gupta's the guest. He's a doctor. I'm sure he's a great doctor if he's on with Chuck Todd and his three viewers on MSLSD. Anyway, take a listen to this, folks. Cut 12, go. And Chuck Lasso, let's say authentic messengers. I, as a member of the military, I'll say we need people who are former uniformed service members talking to those members of the military, not op-ed saying that the military Mm -hmm. needs to mandate the vaccine wholesale. We need to build trust here. If we think we can mandate our way out of this, we're going to really one day down the road have a reckoning because we didn't build trust. We need to build trust now. Yeah. Well, I, I fear that the reckoning is here. This is the reckoning. We, the, the, the trust, the campaign of, of mistrust that was waged against those of us in mainstream journalism by what's happened in the right wing for the last decade. Unfortunately, our reckoning is in an ICU um, way, too, way, way too close to many of our lives. Whew. Tries to be profound, but sounds like an idiot. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's your fault, it's my fault that you understand that the media have no support, no, no faith. Americans don't have faith in the media. Well, the Democrats do. They love their media. It's their media. Later, he says, in effect, also, he says, we're not liberal. What, what do you mean we're liberal? Now, there have been independent studies on this that show that they are. But you don't need independent studies. You've seen these fools. That's why they don't have any ratings. You've walked away from them. That's a great thing. BDS these people. Boycott, divest, and sanction. BDS these people. And you are. You're actually BDSing the Olympics, as am I. It's way down the viewership. And by the way, have you ever seen so many losers in your life? What the hell's going on? Too many patsies. May I say patsy? I will say patsy. Too many patsies. Complaining about the world, their life, diversity, America. Focus on what you're good at. Jump, run, throw, uh, whatever. These people are self-destructing. Their institutions are self-destructing. You know what? Good. I suppose they have to collapse before they can be rebuilt. But I'll give you a perfect example. I was on Hannity last night. And I got to thank uh, Fox and Friends. And what was the other show, Mr. Did I forget who the lady was. For playing clips of the program. Harris Faulkner. Others. 
because they have integrity. And I discussed two subjects on Hannity last night, those of you who watched. First of all, January 6th, to provide a little bit of history, and also COVID. And I basically said what I said to you before I went on Fox, on Hannity, I said on the radio. And so rather than repeat it, I want to I explain it to you. And it's being regurgitated today, as it must be, as it should be. So let's go to cut two, Mr. Producer. Go. I got to move fast. I got three minutes left. COVID. I have a question for the CDC. You're busy issuing all kinds of orders to American citizens. Vaccinated citizens are supposed to wear masks. Don't you understand when you tell people that they're not going to get vaccinated? On the one hand, you say, hurry up and get vaccinated. On the other hand, we're going to treat you as if you're not vaccinated. That's not science. That's stupidity. And we've had a lot of stupidity out of federal scientists and medical directors over the course of the last 18 months. But you want to know big stupidity? We have an open southern border. People are pouring into this country so fast we don't know how many. COVID cases among migrants in the Rio Grande Valley sector surged 900% at the border. Numbers continue to rise. We don't know how many illegal aliens have it. We know they're not tested. We know they're poor. They're coming from poor countries that they don't have access to vaccines. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe because our southern border is open by design. People coming across the border. We don't know the health situation. We're being overwhelmed. You look at the red map the CDC director puts out there, what do you see? The southeastern United States is getting hit hardest. Southern California is getting hit hardest. How come they're not getting hit in North North Dakota? How come they're not getting hit on the northern border the way they are on the southern border? Well, we have some ideas about this, don't we? Now, the CDC is so out of control that it ordered not long ago landlords not to raise uh, rates or to, uh, to remove tenants. And a federal court said, you're the CDC. You don't have the power to do that. Hey, CDC, Joe Biden, I have a question for you. For health purposes, CDC, why don't you issue orders to secure the southern border so we can make sure people who are coming across don't have the virus and aren't spreading it in the United States? Why don't you do that? That would be a lot more substantive. Now, everybody should get a vaccine. Well, I've been vaccinated, and I think more people should. But what about somebody who who has a condition where the vaccine becomes deadly? Or what about people who've already had the virus and now they're immune? Why would they get vaccinated? And of course, we have the health pass, the health pass for people. That is, again, if you're an illegal alien, you don't have to prove whether you've had been vaccinated or not. Or of course, if you're a rioter, one of these Marxist BLM members or Antifa, you get a health care pass too. So they don't really mean that everybody should be vaccinated. They just mean that law-abiding American citizens better do what they tell us to do or you're going to be cut off from the rest of society. All right, now I'm back live. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I know they're out there. But, of course, they accuse you of this. They're the anti-vaxxers, as I recall, all last summer. I'm not with Trump. No, I don't trust him. You know, I'm not going to be vaccinated and so forth. And now they embrace the Trump vaccines like there's no tomorrow. You realize this, folks. But for Operation Warp Speed and President Trump and his entire team, his outstanding team that was mocked and mocked and mocked, including by quack quack Fauci, I mean ultimately, 
We wouldn't have these vaccines as soon as we did. What would Joe Biden be doing now? Now, have you ever seen incompetence like this before in your life? On such a serious matter? On Donald Trump's watch, we're hit with this virus. And the big issue is, don't call it the China virus. Why? Well, but then you're racist. What? Came from China. That's right. So he spent weeks on that. The outbreak happens and Nancy Pelosi's roaming around Chinatown in San Francisco and telling her, follow me. Don't hide. Then the number one man, the infectious disease man, don't wear a mask. I'm sitting there with my medical student stepdaughter and my wife, and I said, okay, we're getting masks. What do you mean, Mark? I'm no doctor. But if he says don't get a mask, that means we're getting masks. Why? How many surgeons conduct surgery without a mask? No, he said not to. I said I am. So it wasn't a government mandate. Quite the contrary. It was, don't hoard masks. Who's hoarding masks? I'm just getting some masks. See, when I smell a rat, I kind of do the opposite of what they tell you to do. I do that with investing. Not that I invest a ton, but I do that with investing. I do that with my life. I don't trust them. They lie. As Fauci later admitted, I, uh, I had to say that because we wanted to make sure we had enough masks. Now, this guy's been in the federal government 412 years along with Biden. They didn't have enough masks? Spending trillions and trillions of dollars? He's a top medical guy, a top scientist, infectious diseases, the CDC's over there, the FDA's over there, HHS. We don't have enough masks? And that's what Trump walked into. These incompetence. Not enough PPE. Not enough ventilators. Turns out we didn't need so many. But they, get the ventilators. Get the ventilators. Hurry, hurry, hurry. So we get the ventilators. Well, we don't, you know, we're okay. We can export them and give them to other countries. Oh. But Trump understood we have to have therapeutics and vaccines. That's how you kill this thing. And so he was focused like a laser on getting this done. Can you imagine if Biden were president? And we're waiting for the, uh, the deputy associate assistant director of widgets over there at the FDA to give it the sign-off. Trump doesn't work that way. He said, let's go, let's go, let's go. And you don't want to face the wrath of Trump rather than the spittle of Biden. And so he drove it. And I'm told from insiders who know that Fauci was always a skeptic. Fauci was always the no man. Always protecting us from Trump as opposed to the virus. And then, of course, these companies, this fantastic creativity, capitalism, Trump buys vaccines from half a dozen companies before they're produced as a way of getting them produced. They already figure out development, distribution, execution, and in comes Dimwit, who's always been a dimwit, even when he had his wits. Taking credit for the vaccines that he rejected. Well, you know, when you're a public figure and you make comments like this over and over again, it has an impact. And it's had an impact. 
him, Harris, the Democrat Party, and the media. Chuck Todd talks about, in a rambling, perfect example of incoherence, what he's trying to say is, because right-wingers don't trust the media when the media says you should get vaccinated because the Democrat Party says you should, now they say you should, people aren't. So we're having our ICU moment. I don't know, Chuck, did you question Biden? Did you question Harris? Did you question the attacks on Trump when he was trying to get the vaccines done? Of course you didn't. You're a schmo. You're a buffoon. You're low IQ. You never questioned anything, your party or anything. How much help did Trump have from Pelosi and Schumer? They're trying to take the guy out while he's trying to get vaccines. That's what I remember. That's what I remember. Isn't that what you remember? So there you have Chuck Todd the liar. I don't know why they don't trust us here. Uh, MSLSD, Meet the Depressed, the Noxious Broadcasting Corporation. I mean, here we are. And what are his credentials? Guy can't even find the right barbershop. What are, what are his credentials? With that haircut of his, as I keep talking, what, what do they do? Put a noodle strainer on his head and then uh, take some shears, uh, lawn shears, and do a good... I don't know what they do with this guy. Boy, do we miss Tim Russert. Oh, my goodness. And even before him, Joel Spivak. But Chuck Todd is a perfect example of our media today. Stupid. Democrat. Embraces all these American Marxist movements. And might I say, ugly. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. And of course, even though Chuck Todd is a rambling buffoon, there's no bigger rambling buffoon than the President of the United States, uh, Joe Biden. And there he is in Pennsylvania today, my home state. And uh, this is what he says. Cut three, go. said I was running when I announced my campaign, and not many people took it seriously. I said I was running for three reasons. One, to restore the soul of this country, a sense of decency and honor. All right, stop. Joe Biden is running to restore the soul of this country. Do you understand how... What, 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 what an egomaniac you have to be to say he's going to restore the soul of this country. This country's never lost its soul. It's under attack by mental midgets like him. This country's never lost its soul. He's going to restore the soul of the country? Which country? Not our country. And the decency and honor of the country? You believe this punk politician? And I mean that, every word of it. My God. Go ahead. Secondly, to rebuild the backbone of the country. Oh, you've done a hell of a good job of that, you idiot. We got fractured vertebrae all over, thanks to you, you jerk. You don't know anything about economics. Spend. Let's spend. Inflation. Oh, it's only temporary. Come on, let's spend. Open borders. Yeah. Let's cut off energy. Oh, yeah. Let the Russians have the energy. Oh, yeah. This idiot. Go ahead. 
He's building the backbone of the Russian uh, economy, not ours. Go, please. Middle class folks who built this country. Don't you love the drama? Like he's saying something profound. He can barely pronounce syllables, let alone full words. He can barely communicate. And he's got these dramatic pauses. Like, wow, we're hanging on every word. No, we're not hanging on every word. We're shocked. And what a moron he is. Go ahead. Unions built the middle class. That's not a joke. No, 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 no. The middle class built the middle class. 6.7% of so-called workers in the middle class are unionized. What is with the unions, the non-unions? Can't he just talk about the American people? No, he can't do it. Because he's been raised in this oppressor-oppressed ideology. This is the nature of the Democrat Party. This is what it is. This is what it comes down to. There's a lot of people who've broken their back over the years who are not union members who've helped build this country. And union members have helped build this country, too. But it's not one or the other. You idiot. Go ahead. Middle class. By the way... In case you regret anything, I just want you guys and, and women in the union know that if it weren't for the UAW in 1972, I ne- never would have won. You think I'm kidding? Oh, now I'm really against the UAW. So he had three reasons. He mentioned two. He forgot to mention the third. Our loss, of course. As waiting for him to spell the word jobs, a very complicated word with with all those consonants and vowels, Mr. Producer. Three letters, J-O-B-S. Four letters, N-U-T. I'll be right back. The only show with a warning label, The Liberals, The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. So Coca-Cola Company, run by these pathetic corporatists were very quick to condemn their home state state legislature when all they tried to do in Georgia is revert back to their prior voting system before the virus and even liberalized it in many significant ways and so Coca-Cola joined the the outrage and and so forth and there it is it's uh, it's amazing Coca-Cola out of Atlanta Georgia And they helped chase the All-Star game out of Atlanta and sent it to Denver. So all the white supremacists could enjoy it. Obviously, I know that's not true. I'm saying it because that's how they talk about Denver. In any event, not that I'm aware of anyway. In any event, but when it comes to the Uyghurs, and Senator Tom Cotton specifically asked, I think this guy's like senior vice president for something like human rights or something. Isn't the Coca-Cola soda, Mr. Producer? Well, we all have to have our senior vice president for human rights, whatever the hell it is. Well, he's doing a bang-up job because when he was asked about the Uyghurs and their business in China, uh, he went silent. He went silent. Can't comment on that because, you know, China's a big market. It's a big market. So we can't talk about that. So Nancy Pelosi 
when Kevin uh, McCarthy was talking about masks and the CDC and how ridiculous it is, she's going to impose a mask requirement on members of the House of Representatives. Now, Nancy has loved this all along. Because, as we knew months ago, and as was reiterated the other day, she still has this proxy voting in place, which means people don't even have to show up for work in the House of Representatives, that they give their proxy to her or to certain sort of captains within who work for her within the House, and their votes are voted for by her or these captains. And I'm told they can do up to 20 of them. Isn't that representative government, ladies and gentlemen? That's why I call her Eva Pelosi. Get it? Get it? Or sometimes I just call her a fascist. Nonetheless, she was overheard calling Kevin McCarthy a moron. Now, this is amazing from a woman who thinks that Joe Biden's one of the smartest men he, she's ever met. And by the way, Kevin McCarthy's running circles around her. Circles. And he's actually been quite effective as far as I'm concerned. And you know how tough I am on establishment and Republicans. He's been doing a pretty damn bang-up job as far as I'm concerned. I hope it stays that way when they're in the majority. That's when the things start to unravel. But we'll see. And so she's asked about that by an intrepid reporter. And wait till you hear the intrepid reporter's question and then hear what she has to say. Go ahead. Is Kevin McCarthy a moron, and if so, why? See, there we have a reporter. Hey, have you ever heard a reporter say about Joe Biden, is Joe Biden, uh, does Joe Biden have dementia, and if so, why not? And if not, why not? Have you ever heard a reporter ask that question? No, that would be disrespectful. And again, I'm not one of those who thinks this is funny. I don't think it's funny. But a reporter would never be that disrespectful to Biden or Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, yes, of course, look how they treated Trump and so forth. Let's start from the top. Go ahead. Is Kevin McCarthy a moron, and if so, why? Um, I, I said earlier in my comments, science, 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 and science. By the way, who sounds like the moron now? Yeah, I, I, I said in my science, science, what are you, parrot? Uh, I, uh, my, 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 I said uh, science, 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 science. That's the Speaker of the House. Ladies and gentlemen, dim as a 25-watt bulb. Go ahead. Almost every subject that you can name, science is the answer. Science is the answer. So will she remember that next time she supports federal funding for abortion? That science is the answer? That's not a baby? Science is the answer. Science. I'd like that. Science, 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 science. Science is the answer. Science. Except when we disagree with it. Then the answer is police state, police state, police state. Go ahead. Whether it's a health crisis, whether it's our preeminence in the world in technology, science, 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 science. Uh, to say uh, that wearing a mask is not... You know what's frightening about this? If Biden has to go because he's an idiot, then we have uh, Kamala Harris in line. She's an idiot. Then we have Pelosi in line. She's an idiot. Who's next? Secretary of State, I guess? I don't know. They passed a statute on succession. I would have to look it up. Sounds about right. 
Oh, my Lord. We're going to have to get all the way down to, like, the Secretary of Agriculture, Mr. Producer. I don't even know who that is. Go ahead. I think is is not wise, and that was my comment. What was your comment? You sound like Chuck Todd tonight. You don't even make any sense. Simple question. You think is a moron? And that was my comment. Oh, okay. That clears it up. Biden again in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Biden's almost 80. She's 80 and so forth. And so on. I'm not against people who are 80, 90, 100. That's all swell. But they shouldn't be president and speaker of the house or this, that, or the other. They just shouldn't. If I were 80, I'd say no. I shouldn't be either. When I'm 80, I'm not going to be behind this microphone. I'm not. No, then I'll sound like them. I'm not going to do that. When I'm 80, I'm going to enjoy the life of an 80-year-old, assuming I'm still around, Mr. Producer. You know what I mean? And what does that mean, among other things? Complaining about the next generation. That's what it means. You know, in our day, but anyway, uh, Biden in Pennsylvania, cut four, go. Back in 2009, during the so-called Great Recession, the president asked me to be in charge of managing that piece, then President Trump. Excuse me, Freudian slip. What in the hell does he even say? I don't even know what he's slipping, the Freudian slip, managing that piece. Do you have any idea what he's talking about, Rich? And the union guys in the audience there who are all handpicked, they're getting ready to applaud no matter what he says. My God! We've never heard anything so great. Yeah! Let's do it! Let's do it! Go ahead. As president. He calls, anyway, that was President Obama when I was vice president. Oh, shut up, you idiot. You're rambling on like a buffoon. You're starting to sound like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Todd. That's, uh, that's very, very painful. Mr. Producer, uh, I do not have my phone screen right now. Is there somebody to whom I shall speak? Any irregular Americans? Only normal Americans? Okay. On the Mark Levin app, Julie in Santa Monica, California. Go right ahead, please. Hi, Mark. Um, Hello. It's such an honor to talk to you. And Thank you. I appreciate all you do for our country. Um, you were, I was listening earlier to the professor re- review your book, and he was commenting that Marxists separate people according to group identity and not individual identity. And American Marxists don't even appear to agree with our Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator, because Marxists, no matter from where, don't even believe in God. Not so, only don't they believe in God, Marx specifically condemns, oh, what's all this stuff he says about natural rights and the creator and so forth? That's archaic, that's a throwback. And he demeans it and he dismisses it in one of his most popular works, The Communist Manifesto, which is also a very thin gruel, if you ask me. But nonetheless, he specifically attacks the Declaration. He specifically attacks American uh, uh, capitalism. Later, he attacks the Industrial Revolution, of course, because it all proves that Marxism is, is crap. It's crap. None of these so-called revolutions are the people rising up and so forth. It's just not, and they're not now. It's a matter of people putting the the, uh, shoulder on us. But you're exactly right. I'll tell you what else is interesting, uh, Julie. 
in my book, uh, Rediscovering Americanism, as Professor Kencorp also pointed out, I explain that the so-called early progressives, and that they self-identify. Of course, they are the progeny of Marx, so they're early Marxists, American Marxists. But that said, every one of them condemned the Declaration of Independence. Every one of them. Because you cannot believe in natural rights, natural law, a creator. You cannot believe in any of these things. You cannot believe in Western Enlightenment. You cannot believe in free and voluntary commerce and be a, uh, a progressive. And so, of course, they hate these things. And that's the point. And the Democrat Party is actually moving in a logical direction if you understand where they started from a hundred years ago. They're moving in a logical direction. It is a hideous direction, but a logical direction. They're becoming increasingly more aggressive in their adaptation of Marxism. The media, the media, for a hundred years, the media has been moving in this direction. It has abandoned the idea of objective news reporting. Journalism schools do not teach objective news reporting anymore. Not with people like Professor Rosen. And that's right, Rosen. I know who the hell you are, and I know you listen. I know who the hell you are. I've read your stuff. I know who you are. In any event, you're not supposed to just teach how to do the news because you can't be objective. You, you know, you're always going to have something subjective going on. And so you need to push an agenda. And what's the agenda? It's this agenda. It's critical race theory. It's climate change, degrowth. It's open border. It's all these things. So they're lined up with that ideology. But you're exactly right. They reject the Declaration of Independence. I knew you were smart. My wife's name is Julie. Did you know that, Julie? (laughs) Yes, I did. I also listen to you usually on podcasts while I'm walking like her wife. (laughs) And by the way, so does she. She listens to me on podcasts most of the time. Julie, don't hang up. We want to make sure you get a signed copy of American Marxism. God bless you. Don't hang up. I got to move, I guess. I'll be right back. Lovin. I'll tell you what's interesting. I always share this stuff with you folks. I hope you don't find it boring or anything. I've sent these numbers on which stores are selling what. And what's interesting to me is... Barnes and Noble and Costco sold more books in two weeks, in the, excuse me, in week two than in week one. Isn't that interesting, Mr. Producer? Now, obviously, Amazon sold more in week one in pre-orders than in week two, but still very strong, 70,000 copies. But it's very interesting that Barnes and Noble and Costco in week two sold more books than in week one. At least I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, oh, Mark, you're a big board. All right, I'm just trying to share that information with you because I know you people shop and you want to know what's taking place out there as well. Where am I, Mr. Producer? Oh, yes. Now, in addition to the numbers that they provide us on Capitol Hill, wow, well, I'm going to spend $1.2 trillion. And then $3.5 trillion, and then another $6 trillion. Budget watchdogs project, this is just the news, the Democrat infrastructure plans, remember that? Remember that $3.5 trillion that's going to follow this $1.2 trillion? 
is actually $5.5 trillion, $2 trillion more than advertised. Now, folks, we're destroying ourselves. Once the currency goes, you don't have anything. You can work and work and work, but your money has no value. You've seen what happens in these third world places where they have wheelbarrows full of cash, where inflation goes up 100% a week. I mean, it's just crazy. All of you folks on pension plans, union or non-union, small business or big business, all of us, we Americans, we're in this boat. You've got to tell your members of Congress to cut it out. I oppose all of this stuff. Well, we have a real infrastructure bill. No! Well, now we have human infrastructure. Aren't you supporting humans? No! Well, we got a $6 trillion budget. Don't you want to feed the hungry? No! We're spending trillions and trillions. If we're not doing all these things already, then what the hell are we doing? Democrats in Congress have estimated that the reconciliation bill that includes Biden's agenda items, such as universal preschool, tuition-free community college, financial support for children, and on and on and on and on, cradle to grave. It's not going to be $3.5 trillion. It's going to be $5.5 trillion. Well, that doesn't really mean anything to me. Well, it will. You've been to the grocery store lately? It's unbelievable. Have you been through a fast food drive through lately? Seriously, have you filled up your car lately? Obviously, they don't do this sort of thing in government in Washington, D.C. Unbelievable what's going on. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There is some breaking news. Now, on this bipartisan infrastructure deal, it's sailed through the first Senate vote. Now, you have no idea what's in it. I have no idea what's in it. And other than 20 bipartisan senators who worked on it, the other senators have no idea what's in it. I mean, it's $1.2 trillion. There's a lot of crap in there. The chamber voted to move forward Wednesday night. That's to, after negotiators came to an agreement on key issues. Marianne Levine and Burgess Everett, the Senate's bipartisan infrastructure deal, finally moved forward. Oh, okay, finally, the reporters have been very uh, anxious to get this done. After weeks of grueling negotiations, handing a group of centrists and Joe Biden a major win. How about the American people? You see how it works inside the beltway with the media? Oh, the centrists and Biden have a win. What about the American people? What do they have? Everything's a game. Though the legislation's still unfinished and failed just a week ago. So the legislation's unfinished. But it already passed its first legislative hurdle, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Wow. More than a dozen Republicans took the plunge and voted to break an initial filibuster on the bill. Among them was Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He's this Fingali behind the scenes. He wants this done. 
because he's an old-fashioned pork barrel senator, and he has no friggin' idea what is circling this country with this American Marxism. He's a wheeler dealer, he's a hustler, that's it. That's it. But even as the Senate agreed to begin considering the bipartisan framework, final passage remains uncertain. Republicans will demand amendment votes and input on the bill, and it will once again face a 60-vote hurdle to close debate. The Senate may even work through the weekend to make progress on the proposal, and it's $550 billion in new spending as August recess approaches. It's $1.2 trillion total. Why do you think the Democrats are in a hurry to get this done? Because they have another one right behind it. Oh, you may have heard. It's human infrastructure. Well, it's $3.5 trillion, but it's actually $5.5 trillion. But who's counting anymore? This is a war on your wallet. This is a war on your pension. This is a war on your savings. I want to commend the group of senators who worked with President Biden. Says Chuck Schumer, now anything he commends, boy, I'll tell you what, you need to take a shower. This guy is the slimiest of the slime. Now listen to this. My goal remains to pass both the bipartisan infrastructure bill and a budget resolution this work period. Okay, that's almost $10 trillion. It might take some long nights, it might eat into our weekends, but we're going to get the job done, and we are on track. Ahead of the vote, Schumer pleaded for full-party support to advance the bill, which many progressives, that is Marxists, have reservations about. At a lunch for all 50 Democrats, according to Senate Minority Whip, little Dick Durbin. Tonight, I'm intending to call a vote to move to proceed to the bipartisan infrastructure bill. He said, I believe we have the votes for that. We will then proceed for amendments. And they did have the votes for it. With the help of 12 Republicans. Senator Rob Portman of Iowa, the GOP point man on the deal, said Wednesday the group and the administration had resolved key issues. He and other negotiators were ready for the Senate to consider the agreement. Now, understand the agreement's not finished, but that doesn't bother Rob Portman. Nah, nah, we got bipartisanship going on here, baby. According to a detailed summary of the bill obtained by Politico, in other words, leaked, it uses $205 billion in unused coronavirus aid money, as its main financing mechanism. Now, this is amazing to me. They pushed through these massive bills. They said they needed the money. Clearly, they didn't, right? Now, they say they have $205 billion of unused coronavirus money, and yet they just said the other week, did Biden and the other flunkies, what did they say? There wasn't any money that Republicans didn't vote for money for the cops. Well, why don't they give the $205 billion for the cops? Other major revenue sources include $53 billion in unused unemployment benefits. Remember that one? So that's a quarter of a trillion dollars that they didn't need. $49 billion for delaying a drug rebate rule and even $56 billion in expected economic growth. All right, another Ponzi scheme. So they just created $56 billion. Hey, we're going to have economic growth, so that we estimate that's $56 billion. Where the hell did you get that from? Uh, we, you know, we just did. This is how they're going to pay for this. Making it up. Making it up. Biden's out there declaring victory. This deal signals to the world that our democracy can function, deliver, and do big things. No, it doesn't. It shows that you creeps spend like drunken Marxists. As we did with the Transcontinental Railroad and the Interstate Highway, we will once again transform American propeller. This guy is a psycho. 
Absolute psycho. Massive redistribution of wealth. Killing the currency. We already have a highway system, you idiot. We don't need another one. And a positive sign for the vote. Senators Tom Tillis, Republican North Carolina, figures. Kevin Kramer, Republican North Dakota, figures. Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina. You know, Lindsey Graham goes on conservative shows endlessly. And this guy, unbelievable, really. He's got both feet planted squarely in the air. And Shelley Moore Capito, who is a disaster. Her father was governor, Republican governor of West Virginia. She inherited his, uh, his party, his mantle. They support moving forward Wednesday. And Senator Richard Burr, oh, is he still, uh, he's not in chains or anything? It's good to know. Some members of the bipartisan group were less sure of their vote. Senator Todd Young of Indiana said he was busy studying the particulars right now. Hey, what are you studying the particulars for? It's bipartisan. Oh, it's paid for. Oh, yay. And Jerry Moran, Republican of Kansas, said, I haven't made up my mind yet until I know the details. You have 12 Republicans who have made up their minds. The other side, Bernie Sanders. It's not the other side. It's the Soviet wing of the Democrat Party. Sanders, Warren, those pukes. May I say? I will say. Many Senate Republicans are skeptical of the bipartisan framework. They want to see legislative text. No way! Wait a minute. They want to see the bill? They want to see details? Hard to believe. Somebody woke up John Cornyn of Texas, a close McConnell advisor. He'll cave. Guy always caves. Maybe he'll come up with another national holiday. I don't know. But this guy caves all the time, John Cornyn. The idea of getting on a bill that's still being written is still a bad idea. We're going to insist upon amendments. Because this bill's been negotiated by 20 people, but there are 80 other senators. Well, at least he knows math. Pelosi can't commit. She hasn't been briefed on it yet. Uh, it's unlikely the House would make changes that people set off the record. I guess that's Pelosi's team leaking. But they want to get this done fast. Because they got another 3.5, a.k.a. $5.5 trillion spending bill. They had the budget bill. That's $6 trillion. They still haven't done that. It's like the Intercontinental Railway and the Interstate Highway, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's going on here. Oh, yeah. Idiot can't build a wall. Idiot won't build a wall. Idiot's letting illegal aliens come in here from all corners of the earth who have the coronavirus while our little kids are supposed to wear masks in elementary schools, even though they don't give or get the virus. This is the insanity of these buffoons. Absolute insanity, wouldn't you say, Mr. Producer? You have little kids. You want them to go to school with masks when they don't threaten? You know where that's coming from? You know where that's coming It's not coming from science. You know where that's coming from? The teachers' unions. I can figure this stuff out. I can read their palms. I'll tell you. It's the teachers' unions. Remember before the teachers' unions helped the CDC write their guidelines before? Remember that, America? Remember that, Mr. Producer? And Biden went along with it. Can't open the schools, told that this one's vaccinated, that one's vaccinated. The teachers don't want to go back to the schoolroom. The union doesn't want to let them go back until all the kids are either vaccinated or wearing masks. Even though there's no science on the face of the earth or anywhere else to justify this. None. 
They don't give a damn if your kids are wearing masks, if it affects them uh, mentally and psychologically, if they get sores on their faces, if they can't breathe properly, if they're inhaling their own carbon dioxide seven hours a day. They don't give a damn about your kids. Why, they're putting that crap CRT into their brain and all the rest of it? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, let's take a few calls, shall we? Yes, we can. All right, here we go. Carl, California. And uh, where are you in California? On the Mark Levin app. How are you, Carl? Hi, you know, Mark. Uh, what an absolute pleasure it is to talk directly to a fellow. Wait a minute, I'm sorry. You're in California, Maryland. I apologize. Go right ahead. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, sorry. that's correct. I cut you off. Sorry. Yes, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, absolute pleasure. I say a fellow patriot because I'm still active duty, almost 20 years serving God bless you. this great nation. And thank you. My pleasure. But, uh, by the way, my wife in, uh, made me say hello to you. Um, she's also a conservative but she mm-hmm. wasn't always because she's from Ukraine. But mm-hmm. uh, she likes listening to your show as well. But I've been listening Thank to you. your incredible show, Mark, for about two to three years. And I've read your books, Ameritopia, uh, Liberty and Tyranny, and now American Marxism, which I just got about a week ago. And I'm just, my mind is just uh, bringing all these, these things to light is just amazing. And I would just want to thank you personally so much for the time you took and dedicated to bringing all of this to light well you're very very kind can you see why it took me 16 months and sometimes i had to walk away from it (laughs) i can't even imagine (laughs) yeah well it it was an overwhelming project i gave to myself and nobody's tougher on me than than i am and uh, i just wanted to do the very best job i could and putting it together, then unraveling it, putting it back together. And uh, to go through these various scholars and these authors and these professors and and uh, to see just how destructive and diabolical so many of them are, um, you know, sometimes you, uh, you read that stuff and it has an enormous impact. Now, it had an enormous impact on me, which is why I wrote Chapter 7, which you'll get to, which is, all right, now let's do something about this. We can't let these people take over. But, Carl, I want to thank you very much. My best to your wife. Don't hang up. We want to give you a signed copy of American Marxism. God bless you, my friend. I forgot there was a California, Maryland. Can you imagine living in California, Maryland, Mr. Producer? It's like living in two blue areas. You know what I mean? All right, let's continue here. Let's go to uh, Shelton. In, uh, excuse me, Tim in Shelton, Washington on the Mark Levin app. That's Tim in Shelton, Washington. How are you? Hey, Mark. It's good to talk to you again. Last time we spoke was right before the 2016 election. I was still employed as a corrections officer up here in Washington. Yeah. Well, now there's no use for correction officers. They're letting everybody out of prison. I, uh, my wife, uh, is, uh, has been listening to your show a lot, and I've been working. Well, all, the, all the wives love me. That's pretty interesting. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But, um, no, I just wanted to say <laughs> that uh, 
we've been uh, getting a little more active up this way, and uh, the Wonderful. only way we're going to really get a chance to keep things halfway normal in our country is from the ground up, and that's a hundred percent agree. Towns in your community, you're absolutely right. I today running for our city. I met a guy today running for our city council, real good guy. And mm. uh, so I'm going to start making more of a habit and sitting down with these people. And I think uh, I think that's the only way we're going to be able to do it because we can't stop these people from spending all that There's money. a lot of ways we can, as opposed not just electing people, which we ought to do. But we have to attack those who have devoured the, the culture and our politics for whom elections don't matter. The NEA doesn't care who you elect. They intend to be around forever. We have a permanent government here in many respects. The bureaucratic leviathan, these uh, teachers' unions, they, they own and run our school districts. School board members come and go. I'm not saying that's a minor fact. I mean, I'm saying it's important to elect the right people, but we have to go after the enemy. We need to call them the enemy. We need to call them what they are. And uh, until we do that, we're not going to win. We're certainly not. Uh, maybe we'll win a little here and there, but we're not really going to seriously win. Look. We vote, we vote for these Republicans in the Senate, and I'm all for it, because it's, they're not them. But let's not pretend that they're going to give us one inch of liberty back. There they are, cutting a deal again with the, uh, with the most radical Democrat party in American history. It's like, what the hell are you doing? So, I don't want to give false hope to people. I want us, if we're going to do stuff from the grassroots up, what I mean by that is... Let's deal with the unions. Let's deal with our school districts. Let's deal with companies that are in our back, uh, backyard here in our communities. Let us network with each other. I'm not going to do the whole Chapter 7 again, but uh, you understand my point. Tim, wonderful call. We're going to give you a signed copy of American Marxism. My best to your wife and all the wives out there, especially mine, may I say. RJ, Cincinnati, Ohio, the great WKRC. WKRC in Cincinnati. Hey, Mark. We had to do a TV show on that. Yes, how are you? I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, I hear your, I listen to your show almost every night, but I can't, I don't hear it live. Yeah. We don't have a radio station here that has your show live. I hear it from about 10 o'clock to 1 in the morning. Uh, that's late, but that's why we have a podcast, you know. Right. Well, if I learned, if I knew how to use that, I would, I would be better off. Well, if you have a kid or a grandkid, tell them to download the app. It's very, very simple. Very, very simple. You go to our website, you go to the home page, um, and uh, there's two steps you take, which we'll explain right there on the home page, and there you are. You're all set. Right. You can be your own anyway, program director. I got director. two copies of your yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got two copies of your book. I, I, I ordered one about three months ago, and uh, it didn't come right away, and um, so I went to uh, Walmart's, and I bought one there, and I, I wondered if I had uh, correctly ordered it or, or if, if I hadn't. So I wasn't sure if it was going to come. So and a few days later, I got a box, a cardboard box, and there was another another copy of your book. So All right. I'll um, share with a neighbor. I'm anxious to. Yes, yes. All right, and RJ, what I'm going to do is send you a signed copy. Now you have three of them, so keep the signed copy. And take two and share those with neighbors. Seriously. Let's spread the word as much as we possibly can. All right. Tom, Sacramento, California, XM Satellite. Tom, quickly, go. I just want to say thank you, Ms. Sullivan, for everything you've done. I grew up listening to you and Russian everyone, and I'm actually a reporter uh, at a local TV station, not in Sacramento. It's, I give a fake city because 
of my job, but um, I want to say everything you've said about journalism school and reporters and journalists is true, and I see it on a daily basis. And and I would say I, I definitely work with people who are Marxist and and who espouse that ideology, and, and you're right, and, and journalism is, I'd say, a dying industry, and I, I regret it, but... Um, yeah, and you have these uh, people, New York Times, Chuck Todd types, who have destroyed it. Don't hang up, my friend. We'll send you a book. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, folks, I've been doing this almost 20 years. And I've never been prouder or more blessed any time in my career as a lawyer, but especially as a broadcaster. To be surrounded by so many patriots like you, the callers, just terrific, you listeners, your families, every corner of this country, people from all over the world listening in to see how we respond to what's taking place in this country. You're not going to sit on the sidelines. Word of mouth is a very, very important thing in a country where they control the media and big tech. It's very important. It's the key to everything. They talk down to you. You read a book like this, they talk down to you. They don't read crap. They're into propaganda. They're into talking points. You're not. You want to know what's going on. You want to know what to do about it. You're the heart and soul of this country. Those of you who listen and don't call in, which is the vast majority of you, you hear people calling from all walks of life, every corner of this country, every kind of background, black, white, Hispanic, doesn't matter. Recent immigrant, fifth generation, east coast, west coast, no coast, Ph.D., High school dropout. Doesn't matter. This is my point. We love the country. We wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And people are trying to to kill this country. Trying to destroy it. We're not going to be intimidated by the media. I don't give a flying you-know-what about the media. We're not going to be intimidated by big tech. Who the hell cares about big tech? Unless you're on their little world there, you know, I'm on the platform. Get the hell off the platform. And we'll deal with them when the time comes. These corporatists, these fools, these cowards. Don't talk about the election. Don't talk about the vaccine. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? The hell are you going to do about it? Shocking. Supposed to believe in free speech in this country. It's a privilege to be born into this country. It's a blessing to be born into this country. We're going to let strangers who we've never met, who've contributed nothing to this country, tell us how to, how to conduct ourselves, how to live our lives, what kind of country we're going to live in, propagandize our children on racism and Marxism, for God's sakes. And you know it, and you've had enough of it. 
That's why this book is doing what this book is doing. That's why you're doing what you're doing. That's why they're trying to ignore us. It's okay. They don't define us. They don't decide for us what we do and what we don't do. Nobody has spent more time not just yammering superficially about the media, but exposing the media with a book, exposing the New York Times and the rest of them, than I. They mean nothing to me. They're diabolical. They're destroying the free press. They're destroying freedom of speech in this country. Chuck Todd. The hell's Chuck Todd? Who cares? Let's go back to our callers. Let us go to Will, Chicago, Illinois, XM Satellite. There you can listen to the podcast, too, because we're taped late. And, uh, and uh, Will, I want to say hi to you. Go right ahead, my friend. Mark, it's a pleasure. It's the first time I've ever called in to you. been listening to you ever since someone told me you were racist. And I'm so glad they did because now I know the truth and I appreciate you for it. Thank you. I, I wanted to ask a question, Mark. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm in, in liberal Chicago, liberal Cook County, mm-hmm. liberal Illinois, and I find it an uphill battle to convey logic and truth to my neighbors and friends and uh, people predisposed to, to, to the lies, actually. Mm-hmm. How, uh, what, what advice would you offer uh, to me to be able to convey this, uh, convey the truth, to articulate the truth? Well, listen. I would tell people, look around you. Do you like what's happening to our city? Do you like what's happening to our schools where kids can't graduate? Knowing English and mathematics. That their test scores are at the bottom. That our schools are crime infested and these kids are stuck in these schools. Look around you. Look, look at the danger. Look at the, the areas of our city where we can't even travel that are worse than Iraq and Afghanistan. We can't even travel. Dozen people murdered, 20 people murdered, innocent human beings, little kids, their mothers, their fathers. You like what's going on in this city? Look at look at all the filth. Look at all the dirt. This isn't a functioning city. This isn't the way human beings are supposed to live. Lack of opportunity. The only opportunity you have is if you get the hell out of the city. People don't have enough money to own their own property. They don't have jobs in these cities. You like what you see? Well, for half a century, more than half a century, Chicago's been run by one party, one party iron-fisted rule. I don't give a damn what the color of the politicians are. They're politicians. And they have an ideology. And so I would say you like what you see or not. Well, why don't you try a little bit of liberty and a little bit of capitalism and a little bit of school choice and a couple Republicans here and there? That's what we need to try. And if let me tell you something, Will. If that doesn't penetrate, get the hell out of there. <laughs> Mark, I appreciate it. I look forward to getting the book. Don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy, Will. God bless you, my friend. Now, on what basis am I said to be a racist under any circumstances, other than some lowlife out there who, who just doesn't know me or doesn't care or they just like to smear and character assassinate you. 
I don't have a racist bone in my body. I could tell you stories when I was a teenager and everything else, but I won't bore you with that. I never, ever allowed some punk to push around one of my black friends or anything of that. It never happened, and it would never happen. I don't have to prove anything. But that's the thing. You say, that's how they try and destroy you. That's how they try and dismiss you. Oh, the guy's a racist. Not a racist thing. No racist bone in my body. Period. Period. You know what's funny? When I see an interracial couple, I smile. And I know several. I smile. If that's not the definition of progress, I don't know what is. It's fantastic. Obviously, assuming they love each other and all the rest of it, which I do. That is incredible progress in a country. And the more you see and the more common it is, it's exactly what that's exactly the way it should be. I fight for liberty. I fight for the individual. I don't care what color people are. I've never even understood this. Maybe it's instinctive. Maybe it's intuitive. Maybe it's my father and my mother. Because I remember my father saying to me, he was a, and my mother, such wonderful parents, such wonderful human beings. But I remember my father saying to me, they grew up in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia. He took the train to Washington, D.C. when he was a young man. And let me tell you something. They never traveled anywhere when they were young. So taking the train to Washington, D.C. was a big deal. And when he got off at the train station, I assume it's Union Station, I don't know what else, and he saw whites only water fountain or whites only bathroom, he was disgusted. He couldn't believe it. That from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C., that this racism existed in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. was an old southern town. From, you know. He was appalled. He didn't think about politics that much and so forth, but he knew right from wrong. He knew right from wrong. The N-word was never said in my house. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know what the N-word was until I went to school. As a teenager. I didn't even know what it meant. Oh, Mark, the racist. So sickening. But I don't allow other people to define me. I define myself in my own head, in my own way. I know what I believe in my heart and soul. If I'm not always that articulate, it's not intentional, it just is what it is. But I know right from wrong, and I know good from evil, and I know Marxism from Republicanism. I'll be right back. We're making up today for some days where we don't take many calls or even any calls. If you understand what I'm saying. 
Let's go to Karen, Norwich, New York, XM Satellite. Karen, how are you this evening? Go right ahead, please. Mr. Levin, I am very well, thank you, and thank you for taking my call. You bet. I felt compelled. I felt compelled to call you as my husband and my 11-year-old son and I are listening to your show on our way home from a sports activity. And I just want to thank you for giving our young people some vision of the future of what our country is supposed to be and what it should be. Mr. Levin, my father was in the Marine Corps for 40 years, and he is buried at Arlington National Cemetery, and I can only imagine that his ashes must be swirling around as he sees what's going on with Mm -hmm. our country. And I just want to thank you for, for, for being out there with this talk show and bringing it to our, um, our nation's interest and, and attention. We're not giving up this country. No, no, no. We're not rolling over. We're not playing dead. They're in their own bubble. The media, the Democrat Party, and the rest of it, even though they control the levers of power. There's tens of millions of us, and we're not going anywhere. And we're certainly not taking a fetal position. I want to thank you, Karen, and for your father. Don't hang up. We want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. Very much appreciate it. Let us go to Winkay. If I hope I pronounced it pro- properly, Winkay, Abilene, Texas, XM Satellite. How are you? I'm doing great, Mr. Mark Levin. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Thank you. Uh, born in Zimbabwe, very Republican, and everything you are saying, 125 percent correct. There's not even a single drop of blood of racism in your speech and everything you conduct yourself. Thank you. That's the truth. And the devil hates the truth. Okay? Thank you. Whenever something is being imposed on me, on us, we are called names. Mm -hmm. We are bigots. We are homophobic. No. You can be whatever you want to do, but please do not impose that on my kids. That's the reason why I left Zimbabwe. Mm Mm-hmm. Being opposed to and come to the number one world country. Tell me, how was life in Zimbabwe under the paradise of Marxism? That's why it's still the third world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? That's a brilliant cut. That's why it's still the third world. Exactly. <laughs> That's You're why right. it's still the third world. Why do we want to come here? Because of everything that has been built upon. But what's being done here? I'm black, African. Mm-hmm. My kids are black being raised here. I earned the right to be American. Mm-hmm. I came as a Zimbabwean, but I got naturalized. Do you know how much that took? A lot. And I have that at heart. Mm-hmm. I have that at heart. Love to be in this country. And we cannot take it for granted. Bad is always going to lose. You're I great. To you are terrific. And I'm going to stand for what's right. And that's the country and my kids and my families, and my liberties. Because I heard to earn the right to be here. Mm-hmm. I wasn't born into it. And I know thank much- God you are here. I know what socialism is. That's why I thought world is the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot have this critical race theory. I'm not sorry about being in some, born in Zimbabwe. No. I guess what? I'm mm-hmm. a hardworking man. I've got my own house. My wife, beautiful wife and family. Mm-hmm. We believe in God. And I believe in hard work and morals and ethics doing right by me. Win K, please call again. You're an inspiration. I want to give you a copy, a signed copy of America Marxism. And thank you for coming to the United States. You're a great citizen. 
I want to thank you all. Salute all you heroes out there. Thank you. If you haven't yet, please join us. Jump on Amazon.com. American Marxism is there. Any retail store. Please join this movement. And God bless each and every one of you. <laughs>